This is Violet Sessions. I'm Claire Patak, owner of East London Bakery Violet. Each session, I talk to yet another incredible woman who is doing something remarkable by simply following her dream, trusting her gut, and being part of the exchange by sharing her experience with the rest of us. I was listening to some podcasts you've been in and also, you know, doing my research, reading a lot mm-hmm. about you before yeah. this. Yeah. And, um, and when, at one point, I can't remember where it was, but you said that you had always thought about doing another River Cafe. Yes. But... But we didn't. But um, you so, didn't. Yeah, because most restaurants, I think, that are as old as we are, 30 years mm. old, by now would have had, you know, at least one more. Yeah. Or, you know, and so exactly. why, why And everybody we always grown? asks me that question. Everybody says, what's, you know, mm. what's your next, what's, when, what are you doing? And we... Rose and I, when Rose was, you know, my partner who died in 2010, we started the restaurant in 87, and I would say, you know, the first five years we're just trying to keep our heads, you know, to learn how to do a restaurant, to kind of keep your head above water, to do the accounts. And we also had a lot of restrictions, so we were only allowed to be very tiny. We were only allowed to open at lunchtime. We were only allowed then to be open at dinner five days a week. So I would say that we kind of grew with the restaurant. So our expansion was always within the, the, the kind of uh, boundaries of the river of yeah. Thames Wharf. And it was in a warehouse, so that was quite exciting. So if you, you, know, you look at a plan, you can see that for the first, from 87 to 94, we had nine tables. Then we put in a bar in 94 and had it kind of expanded it. And that mm. was kind of when it really felt like a mm. restaurant. And um, then in 1998, we had a, um, we put in a new entrance in a bar, and then we put in the wood oven, and then we had. And then in 2008, it was very radical. We had a fire, and um, I remember that. Yeah, and so then at that point, we really expanded. Yeah. But was always expanding where we were on our site. And every once Rather in a while, Rose and I would go and look at another site because we're. Very, I feel like I'd heard rumors, you know, yeah, every now and always, again. Always, yeah. Friends we're looking at things on the river. Or, yeah. We're looking at things <laughs> in banks. We're looking at, and um, you know, we always slightly jokingly said, instead of doing another restaurant, we'll do another cookbook. Which is, but the fact thank is you for that. that. Well, the fact <laughs> is that if we'd had another. Um, so we found something we loved, we would have done it. So today I'm here with Ruth Rogers, owner of renowned Italian restaurant, The River Cafe, uh, located in a converted warehouse along the Thames in London. Um, last year, the infamous eatery turned 30, and not bad for a restaurant started by two friends that are untrained chefs, and with little business experience, I read. Yes. <laughs> um, but obviously with incredible palates and a lot of conviction. Um, so, Ruthie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's I feel a little nice. funny uh, welcoming <coughs> you when I'm actually sitting in your home. No, but you're welcoming <laughs> me to this microphone. So, I'm welcoming you to my home, and I, you're welcoming me to this podcast, which I'm Thank you. very excited about. Thank you very much. Um, I'm so excited. And actually, I w- I'm you know, very excited to be in your home because it's quite something. And, um, and I'm actually noticing little things that... Um, are very similar to the restaurant. Yeah. Um, and I love that because <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's so different um, where people work and, and, you know, where they live. But obviously yeah. your husband, the architect, Richard Rogers, had something to do with yeah. both. So well, Rose and I that. always said that, you know, we wanted to re- open a restaurant when we opened our little restaurant that reflected the way we, um, the way we cooked at home. 
not just in the food we cooked, but as you can see, we always, both of us had open kitchens, um, both of us had a, a, a way of cooking in which everyone participated so that our children, our friends, if they came for dinner, ended up chopping parsley or picking thyme or mm. peeling, you know, potatoes, whatever. <laughs> and so we thought, let's have a restaurant where, you know, the kitchen is in the open, all, this, all the people who work there have some involvement with the food, whether you're a receptionist or whether you are a kitchen porter, or of you course, you're a chef. Whenever, when I've been at your restaurant, the waiters are sometimes back there, yeah, you know, well that, shelling that, 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 you know, or... <laughs> Yeah, 30 years later, um, there are many things that have changed, because, you know, I did I worked on Sunday lunch and we did 247, whereas opposed we opposed to sort of 28 or 30 or 40 or 50. But some things really haven't changed, so that when you come in the morning, as you said, you'll see a line of sort of 15 um, waiters um, working. They're, they're on the prep line, and so what they're mm -hmm. doing is, you know, they're they're peeling the garlic. They're they're uh, washing the spinach, they're um, grating the cheese. They're, 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 I always thought it's a bit like sharpening the pencils so mm -hmm. that the chefs who are at that time um, prepping the whole sea bass or the lamb or the beef mm -hmm. and then the other chefs are writing the menu. We're all, we're all doing stuff until um, the menu is completed at 10.30. So they're, they're, everyone is involved. And then they know what they're serving to the customers. That's what I would say. You know, mm. if, a, if someone says to them, what's in the salsa verde, they'll know because we told them, do the salsa verde prep. <laughs> Don't make the salsa verde. That takes a chef. But, you know, do, wash the capers, clean yeah. the anchovies, uh, I love that you parsley. bring up salsa verde because I actually, one of my questions, which was supposed to be asked later, was what makes, um, what is the secret to making a really delicious salsa Oh, that's verde. interesting. Okay, well, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, I wanted to to tell you also that in 1996, when I was, um, I was studying at university and I um, was working in a little sort of homeware shop um, on the weekend, and there was, uh, they had a, sort of maybe like a dozen different books that they sold, and one of the books that they sold was the first... Oh, the blue book. Cook, yeah. The blue book, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, like anything I could do to sort of be in that little corner pretending uh, I was organizing something so uh, I could flip yeah. through the book. Um, but it really had such an impact on yeah. my wanting to become oh, that's a nice chef, to know. Um, but yeah. also wanting to write cookbooks. Yeah. And I think that um, the design and the, and the I guess the, the language that you sort of used in teaching mm. people how to cook your simple recipes, but simple is never simple. Yeah. <laughs> but um, was so innovative and so different, and I just looked at that book and I couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do. I somehow had to be involved, and um, and your cookbooks have become so iconic. I think. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I think we just, you know, Rose and I, when we did that, there was a certain amount of naivety and a certain amount of confidence that we had. Mm -hmm. We were both older. We both had children. We both were um, worked as designers, and we both. I would say we, you know, we had the same politics, the same views about yeah. many things, certainly about food. Both, we're both passionate about Italy. And when we did that book, you know, we started out by thinking what we really want to do is do a book also for the chefs you know, who work for us so that we, we say to them, you know, do roasted trevies um, with potatoes or what, you know, something. Mm. They could actually, it could be there. We wouldn't have to explain everything and yeah. write it down. So Which we started writing that. It's a very simple yeah. way. And we cooked, we cooked every recipe 
you know, the, and we still did that with the book we've just done, which is basically we are in the kitchen, we make the pasta, we put it on a plate, and we photograph it. Mm-hmm. You know, in that in that book, it was um, Martin Thompson, and in other book, you know, we had David Loftus, we've had um, Matthew Donaldson, but we always did it in the kitchen. We always took it from the, you know, so there was a kind of honesty in it. I think that that this is if you kind of do it this way, it should actually come out and look. Like this, you yeah, know. and it does. Oh, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, um, just quickly, um, the writing process itself—does that come easy to you? Writing well, writing well? recipes is is challenging. I mm. think you know because you know the then they said you know do you um, fry the onions? Do you brown the island the onions? Do you um, you know that that kind of do do it till it's brown? Do you do it through golden? Sweating, we have people don't yeah, well, let you, it go you know brown, you've written like, exactly. <laughs> so there's that. But I think um, writing is it's you know what you really want to do is communicate what you're doing. And mm. so I think we tried in the blue book. It was very dry. You know we we always said that you know the recipe will speak for itself. The most written book is the um, classic, because that was the last book Rose and I did together. Mm. And so I think there was a lot of you know. Um, descriptions and of, of of visits we'd made to mm. um, to Padua, or you know, when we first ate a pasta, or the importance of risotto, or the rice, or the so there was a lot of that in that book. And then I think um, going back to the new book, River Cafe Thirty, um, there's a lot in the beginning that we wanted to tell the story of the restaurant, but then once you get into the recipes, there are hints, you know, we're kind of looking over your shoulder. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> I love, there's one little um, detail, actually, in the introduction, which says that you could say that you both started the River Cafe and McDonald's. Oh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> well, because we met at Drummond's here, it was Drummond's in 1987, and I called Rose, and I'd been to see the site, and I said, come on, let's just have a coffee, I don't know what you're doing these days, and what I'm doing, and so we met in Drummond's on the King's Road. And then, as I said, that became, now it's McDonald's. So you could say the River <laughs> Cafe was conceived in a McDonald's. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you um, if you would just, if you wouldn't mind, so uh, sticking with this book theme, mm-hmm. um, the recipes, so the introduction I, I love, and then the recipes, I actually love that you don't have that sort of 90 word intro to each recipe. Yeah, we had, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, however, am curious and I wanted to know like how you, well, I know how you choose some of the recipes because obviously it's from your travels and the things that you love, but having the confidence to kind of, as, you know, an American mm. and, and an English chef to, you know, to take these Italian mm. recipes and write these recipes you know, and make them your own, and I just think that's, it's so great, because I think what holds so many writers back, or cooks back, is feeling like they're allowed, or entitled to, yeah. to talk about these, yeah. these things. Yeah, I think, I think that really, Rose and I just, and I still do, with Sean and Joseph, and my mm-hmm. chefs, is we keep the contact so close to Italy, mm-hmm. you know, that we go very often, and it's really crucial that you mm-hmm. go, because you eat, and you taste, and Does you try. Does it change a lot? And, well, has it changed? You mean since in the rest, like the places that you go to, does does the food change from, you know, thirty years ago? Oh, I see. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it has in some ways, but we seek out the restaurant. There's, you know, if you're an ambitious chef in Venice or in um, Naples, I'm sure you're actually thinking, what can I 
do with my grandmother's recipes mm -hmm. or the recipes that have been cooked in Naples for the last hundred years and do something different with them. But of course, when I go, I don't want to see what a chef no. has done differently. I just want to <laughs> eat what their grandmother made. Yeah, exactly. So for us, it's really um, the thing that I love most anywhere in the world, mm -hmm. whether it's New York or in, um, in Mexico City or Paris or Rome. The greatest, I think, privilege and, you know, for me, the greatest luxury is to eat in someone's home. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. because I think that's where you um, really find out what the food is of the country. Mm -hmm. So being, you know, it's, it's a hard to, but that, so I think most of these recipes, a lot of these recipes were either given to us by friends. There's some, there's the mezzapakri with langoustine there, which is a quite eccentric recipe because um, it has fish and pecorino. Yes. But I had that one in... Um, uh, Verona, near Verona, and um, it just, you know... It worked. It was so delicious, and then I came home and we did it. That was quite recently. It's so exciting. And the... the so I have a confession to make, which is that I did actually... Um, at one point, one, I, I tried to work at the River Cafe. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. It's still it's not time. Like that. It's not like Do that. Do come? What are you yes, doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'll jump on the line anytime. But no, I, I came and I... I um, but I'm a pastry chef. And yeah. so there was, there, there was not a, yeah. you know, sort of no, I know a job that. just for the pastry yeah. chef. Yeah. Um, which I think is so great, actually, you? that you yeah. that you rotate your chefs through yeah. everything. And because yeah. your, your pastries are so... Um, I mean, they're just tried and tested, and they're amazing, yeah. and you don't change them that that right. much. But um, but guess oh. what? <laughs> no, lost. Just think. <laughs> um, so I actually ended up doing a couple of shifts on the phone, which was hysterical. And oh dear, did Beth you? Beth was like, maybe not. Maybe not. No, much <laughs> better. Yeah. yeah, maybe. It's a hard. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be able to do shifts on the phone. I'd give everyone a table. That would be my problem. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was it was really it was really wonderful to be in oh. the kitchen, even you know, yeah. sort of momentarily. Yeah. But I um, but I love the desserts. I love them so much. Well, and they're quite interesting. That the dessert that you picked that up. I mean, as you say, we every once in a while we thought oh, we should have a pastry chef, or mm. we you know we could do that. And then you realize that um, it is interesting about the desserts because if you think about Italy. Um, we don't necessarily, where in Paris you think of Tartatin yeah. and creme brulee. Oh my God, those amazing chocolate yeah, lettuce oh and the Paris breast yeah. and yeah, all that. And in Italy, I always used to say that, you know, Italians have their cakes for breakfast and their yeah. ice creams on the street and then they have an espresso for dessert, you know. Well, there are great desserts. There are desserts. <laughs> there are, you know, but, um, and, and we do have the, the panna cottas and most of all, mm -hmm. I mean, in my old age, what I really love most for dessert is ice cream. Cream. I'm quite passionate about ice cream mm. and ice cream is in ways of doing that. But I think that, um, yeah, I can tell you, you know, the lemon tart was, was um, really Alice Walter's lemon tart from when Rose and I started uh, the restaurant, the Meyer lemon tart, and then we changed it. We do it in the wood oven, you know, we, we, we brown it in the wood oven, which you can do at home in your own oven, but it's particularly nice in the wood oven. Yes. Um, the the pear and almond tart oven. really is a tart that I started making in Paris, okay. um, which is the almond and the French pan. Then there's the nemesis, which mm. kind of came out of just reading about this cake, and then we just became it became sort of that and then and then you know we love the polenta cake we do we do the chocolate espresso we do and you know the they're the pressed chocolate cakes the capri cake but when we start exploring does you know at the end of an italian meal for our menu i think the way we do our menu is 
very, um, I mean, they're quite strong flavors, mm -hmm. aren't they? They're quite simple flavors. They're quite, um, you know, lamb they're with bold. this and this. There's, mm. you know, we think about it so carefully. And then if you ended your meal on some incredible, um, I mean, it would be delicious, but comp more complicated construction of a dessert, which if you had a pastry chef, that's what they do. And that's why... The, they're I mean, desperate I love, to do it. I love pastries, <laughs> but I think I, I, they would be so bored. And also, yeah, we realize right. that it is important. There's some chefs who just go, some say, say, Ruthie, Ruthie, would you just <laughs> look at me in the eyes and realize I do not like to do pastry? Yeah. You know, and you go, okay, get back up there. You know, and, and we know that some of them, but basically they all do. Mm -hmm. They all do it, and they do it together, and it's quite a great thing for them as well because the pastry chefs work as a team. They, You know, when you make a pasta you don't really do it as a team when you're making your braised veal you do it yourself when you're up there in the pastry kitchen now we have our own pastry kitchen uh, because some <laughs> space became available and the um and that's been taking a real getting used to because mm. suddenly we have a pastry kitchen so i'm going on and on i love it i'm um, so glad this is really uh, like that you want to go on and on yeah, about pastry but we have a pastry <laughs> kitchen and then suddenly it's like in the old days well one year ago um, you know, you'd say to somebody, you know, I'm doing the slow cooked tomato sauce. Can you watch my nemesis? You know, exactly. You that have, kind of thing. Th that's it was right in the, the kitchen, kitchen, which sometimes. is so great. Mm -hmm. Now we were like, it was like your tomato sauce is going into my chocolate <laughs> nemesis. So stop it. We, Ruthie, we need yeah. more space. So we did it. We put a pastry kitchen upstairs and, um, but then they've got to be in there. They're there, but they're there together. There are three or four of them oh, together nice. and they have, they go in early. They're down by 10, 30, 11. Mm. And then we give them other small jobs they can do before 12.30. So I think it's kind of working. Maybe I will come back and Why don't you? Do you again. want to? <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, come. I'd love it. I absolutely yeah, love it. Please. Please. Um, fantastic. And I know do, that you write... I mean, you still are chefing. You just said yeah, you were yeah, there yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, I was Sunday, there and Sunday, and, and I'm, I, I was there Wednesday night, and I'm doing this. And then I'm going, I'm going to New York, actually, next oh, week. Cool. So. Um, and you and you write the rest of the sorry the menus twice. So it's still that, we, that so has never of, stopped mm -hmm. since the first day in 1987. Yeah. I mean the menu has changed, but we do. So the head chef comes in. I just think people don't understand what that means. You know, the head chef. Okay, the most responsible chef. Oh, you no, mean no, no, no. sorry. The, oh yeah, the, explain the to you. It's very very simple. It's it's basically what you do at home. You you the night before the chef who was on at dinner will put in the orders for the fish. Mm. We have two fish suppliers for the meat and for the vegetables, and at the most simple, basic level. You know, there's mm. also there's the, the dairy, there's langoustine that come from, from Scotland, there's scallops that come from Aberdeen. So, but basically, they put in the, they will say. So then you, you walk in the morning, and you open the diary, and you see, and then they will have mapped out. They say that we have squid, we have, we have clams, we have um, uh, mullets, we have scallops. Those are crab. Then they'll put a little line, and then they'll say, the pasta then... They'll be underneath. They'll say we have three mains and three fish and three meat mains, and so it'll be right now. It'll probably be sole. Mm. It'll be turbot and it'll be monkfish. It'll be um, pigeon because we do a bird or a game that. bird. We do lamb or beef, and then we do probably a slow cooked. And this, so I'll, you'll see that. Okay, these are what the chef night before tells you. I suggest, but I could say actually I see we have. 
you know, have only 24 um, sea bass. I'm not mm-hmm. going to let her use the mockfish tonight because I really want to use up those sea I want to do those sea bass. And so, but you kind of within that, you know. Then you go into a fridge list, which says every single vegetable you have, how many boxes of artichokes, how many boxes of chima derape, how many boxes of trevies. Mm. And then you so look hungry. at that. <laughs> and then you go and you say the same thing with the herbs. And then you also have another list which tells you what meat, fish are in the fridge, yeah, because they've ordered. And then you look at the book and you see what they've ordered. So that you know if on the list you see one box of artichokes is left, Mm. then you look at the order, they've ordered four. So you know, you kind of know what's coming in. And then it's very important to just walk back there and look. And just look. You know, just look and Mm. just see, oh, yeah, I forgot about the fact that we have, you know, chard and we should do that today or that looks a bit rubber. So you, you look. And then you sit down with a blank sheet of paper, literally, with all this kind of information around you. And another chef or whoever decides they want to come and sit down or you decide you want to sit down with you. And meanwhile, they're all up there doing their thing, you know, the, the waiters. And then you say, well, I'll do my... We always say, the easy bit is we always do squid and we always do it with rocket and chili. The easy one is, you know, we'll, we'll do mozzarella because we always do mozzarella. Mm, and we'll mozzarella. do prosciutto. And then... And then you think, well, mozzarella, yesterday I did mozzarella with smashed chickpeas and I did it with roasted trevies. And then so today, do you want me to stop? Today I might do, uh, you know what, it's a, it's a really kind of, it's a, maybe it's really warm and so maybe we should celebrate the new peas that have just come in. So I think I'll do mozzarella with um, spinach and slow-cooked peas and a bit of olives, you know. <laughs> so there's my mozz plate. And then I'll do, you know, so then you go and I'll do scallops. And I like to have something. We have a grill. We have what we call HOTS 4, which is when you do just um, the starter sections that are hot. So if you're doing poached langoustine or you're doing pan-fried scallops, we have HOTS. uh, We have HOTS 2, which is um, pasta. Mm -hmm. We have HOTS 3, which is slow-cooked. So the slow-cooked feel of bolito misto or... um, uh, it could be a fish in the pan. So there's one one meat, one fish on the grill, one meat, one fish on HOTS 3, and then we have HOTS 1, which is in the wood oven, and then we have the cold section. The so oven. you're always... You're, and also what you're doing is you're looking around, you're saying, actually, I have... You know, these guys look a bit tired, or they're not so this, or that. Or I have an amazing team, so I'm going to make them work really hard. Oh, you know, so I'm going to make them... The team you kind well. of look mm, at who you've got. Yeah. You look at what you're doing. You look at the weather... You look at how you kind of feel. So it's very and, alive, and the process is really yeah. like... And you know that you basically have an hour to do this, yeah. because by 10.30, the menu really needs to be written. And so if you start at sort of 9, 9.30, then it does take that long, mm. because you've written the menu, you've said, okay, I'm going to do beef on the grill, and I'm going to do it with um, uh, a whole artichoke, you know, and salsa verde, Okay. That's my beef plate. And then uh, who's going to make whole artichokes, Romana? Well, you have a list of nine chefs at the top, and you say, okay, I'll give Avi the Romanas, and I'll give Cecily the pasta, and I'll give Eliza. She's really, really good at doing gnocchi. You know, so <laughs> you kind of divide it. But that, yeah. all that has to be done by 10.30, because by 11.45, the yeah. waiters have to go and get their break, mm-hmm. get changed, and, and then by 12, the, wait, the chefs have to be, start cleaning up. At 12.15, you have your menu meeting because the waiters don't know what you're doing today. Mm. The managers come and tell you who's coming in, and then the curtain goes up. It's a production. <laughs> it's 
not easy. It sounds yeah. so yeah. not easy. Yeah. Um, well, I have a question about the, you know, so the menus. It's so tantalizing, you know. And I, when mm. you come to the River Cafe, if you're lucky enough to have been, like I have forced people to take me there Please. quite a few times. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Before fun. I moved here, I was like um, mm. visiting with a friend and, and they said, and their parents were going to take us out because it was like, you know, we were in our 20s and, yeah. and I said, well, I, I think we should definitely go to the River Cafe. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. <laughs> and they were like Thank very, you. very willing. Um, but the, the menu, so it's big, you know, there's, there's the starter, well, there's, there's the there's pasta, eight, there's the main. We try to do eight starters. I mean, it's small, really, yeah. but I mean, and then in four, terms of four how do you pastas. eat it? Are you supposed to eat? Oh, yeah, okay. So we, well, I mean? we used to put the pastas just on the menu, and then we did we divided it in the kind of Italian way, which is the antipasti, mm. so that would be carne crudo, or it would be a salad, or it would be prosciutto, as I said, or mozzarella, squid. Yeah. Well, that's already, and then a vegetarian, you know, whatever, um, crostini, perhaps. Um, and, then, and then we have the, anti, the pasti, with the primi, which are, we do four. We do usually uh, homemade, we do a filled ravioli, a tagliarini, a tagliatelle, or a pappadelli. We do gnocchi, so we do those four. And then yeah. we do the mains. And some people have all three. I mean, do it's they? amazing. Some people have, you know, mozzarella, and then they'll you have know, a pasta. It's amazing, because, like, I mean, I want to eat it, I'll order mm-hmm. it all. But then, you know, like, when I go to Italy as well, I feel sort of like I'm supposed to order something. No, you're not. You're no, not. no, no, no. Sometimes people, the, when, when I sit with my the, friends, they say, the what deal? should we do? And I go, mm-hmm. you know what? You could have you could have a ravioli as a starter mm-hmm. and then the beef. Or you might have, you know... Um, an antipasti. You can have an antipasti or... and a ravioli as a main course okay. if you want. You can have you can have, whatever, you can have two. We don't, you know, people can do whatever they want. But you do... I always worry, you know, I'm always saying to the young chefs who could eat anything... <laughs> that they have to be really careful because you don't want people leaving stuffed. You know, it's just not exactly. elegant. You don't, you don't need to give a big portion. It looks a bit like a pub. You know, that's the worst thing yeah. you could say about somebody's plate. It looks like <laughs> pub food. You know, because, you know, they can eat that. But the elegant Never thing, I think. Never be told your I don't your think everybody, like anybody ever... People complain that maybe we're expensive or that we're high-priced, but nobody ever says I was robbed, you yeah. know. And, and that isn't because the portions are big. It's because of the way... You know, I hope that the quality that we do, you know, so that if you have a brilliantly fresh piece of, you know, monkfish or sea bass, you don't need to cover it with anything. You know, that speaks for itself. And that keeps us very disciplined because you you know what you're doing. And I think, um, you know, we probably have you to thank, actually, for the improvement of of shopping here in, in London. I think that so much more is available and the kind of the quality of so many of the... You know the the produce. I know you work with Natura, and I think yeah. that they, you know, well, they're were responsible. Buying, they're amazing. They are, but I'm sure you yeah. worked with them in the early days. I mean, I think I always say to everyone to that if you're a demanding customer, you'll get better. You know, people. Yeah. You know, why doesn't my greengrocer have this? I said, well, make them. You Go know, ask and, them. and yeah. I mean, it won't happen, but it right away. <laughs> but we have a lot of people. You know, we we do get supermarkets coming to eat in the restaurant, mm. and we do. And I think I think many reasons that. Food has gotten better here. I think people have traveled more. Mm. I think people are more curious. Mm. I think, you know, cheaper fares have helped us. I think the, you know, I mean, we don't want to get on to Brexit. But I think, um, (laughs) you know, that great openness that we had can only make our country better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I did want to bring up actually one one sort of uncomfortable thing, which is just this this whole... um, 
you know, it's hit the restaurants too, this whole yeah. sexual harassment thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that you're, um, you know, you and Rose were and are, you know, very principled women and run such a, mm. such a wonderful place to work. Mm. I think mm. that I know that people come and work for you and stay for years and years yeah, and years. They do. Yeah. Um, so obviously that speaks for itself. But um, I just wonder if you can, you know, give advice to whether it's male or female chefs or restaurateurs. Yeah. But, you know, how do you keep that kind of um, culture in a restaurant yeah. where people feel equality yeah. and safe and... Well, I think that values come from the top. I mean, I think that's one of the struggles we have with yours and my president at the moment Mm -hmm. and a lot of other things that are going on. Not my president. Oh, he's not yours, he's mine. Isn't he? Are you American? I am American, but hashtag hashtag not my president. But I think if we think he is our president, then we can really fight. That's a good point. I think it's a really, I think activism is just, I mean, don't get me started, because I'm actually going, I'm going to try and go to the um, march. I went to the march last year, and I'm going to go again next Saturday. I'm going to try and go there, because I think we can only only be active Mm. about what's going on everywhere in Italy and Europe and yeah. And particularly as an American, I feel very um, buoyed by what happened in Pennsylvania. But that, you know, that is, um, you know, that we actually, the Democrats won. So I think yeah. there is hope. But it is, I think that what you need to do more and more and more is reinforce the values that we believe in, and fairness and honesty and, um, you know, openness. Mm. And, and I think that what we've seen in the last year um, with women is so, you know, it's so upsetting and distressing and terrible and exciting to think that mm. why it's taken so long, why, you know, why we're shocked. Um, there's only, we have to be mm. active. And the day after, I know that in my restaurant, because it's warm there all the time, we have those values, but I reiterated them to my own team. I, you know, I wrote a piece and I read it and I said, you know, one person's Affection might be another person's space, and one person's. I'm afraid to say, you know, we have mm-hmm. to. We all have to be thinking of what, what, how we consider another person's, um, you know, body and space and what we do. Now, I know that that's 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 the kind of part that's come up, which recently, but even more extreme that we have to be aware of. Um, we have always had. I looked at my list the other day, and we have more than 50% women chefs at the moment. Um, uh, and we always try to have always have fifty percent, and and men. You know, I think it's a good mix. You know, if you work on Absolutely. a shift with all women, and and I, it's a very open kitchen. I'm there. They know, you know, the values. Um, I think that uh, I once I had a chef who a woman who told me that she'd pulled out some souffles in a kitchen, quite a famous kitchen, and the chef was over her, the man was over her boss with a frying pan, and said. And if those souffles come out badly, this frying pan will be on your head. And I said, what you should have put on is put the souffles back in the oven, close the oven door, got dressed, and gone to the police. Yeah. The police. Yeah. You know, this is, yeah. this is against the law. So all that stuff about bullying in the kitchen or, you know, that's, this is where, what we do under stress... No, there's no gray area. You know, this is illegal. It's, it's you illegal. Know, and... You know, and any, I mean, again, don't get me started, but I said to men and make sure that everybody, everybody in the restaurant knew that they were safe when they came to work. 
you know. Mm. I want them to be safe when they go home. I mean, I think about it a lot, you know. Are they safe? Are they going, putting their key in the door of an apartment that has heat and light and maybe a view, you know. But I also want them to be safe where they work. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Well, I think it's, um, it's a real, you know, testament to, to, to that, that people stay so long in your kitchen. And I think um, the people that do leave, and there's been many um, successful chefs yeah. that have gone on to do other things, and Jamie Oliver and April Bloomfield and um, Theo Randall and so many people. And I think that they, you know, hopefully then that's like how you know, it carries on. Yeah, sort of, yeah. Um, you know, to teach that. Um, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope that when people leave us, I hope that they're leaving not just with recipes, yeah. but with a kind of way... And I think they do. They often tell me, you know, yeah. that they're thinking, what, you know, what, what would we do, or, you know, just in a nice way. Well, yeah, and I worked, so I worked at Chez Panisse. Oh, uh, did you? And yeah. that, and that's, that's a very similar kind of, um, you know, people, when I was there, you know, people had been there for 20 years, and yeah, now it's a bit yeah, changed quite yeah. a bit, but it's still, yeah. um, you know, has that. I'd like to family. say that, that when I say that we did this, or we had open kitchens, or we changed the menu, or we only did seasonal products, and, you know, a lot of people were doing it at the same time. It wasn't just Ruthie and Rose. It was Sally Clark, and it was Rolly Lee, and Sally. it was Alice Walters, yeah. and it was even Wolfgang Puck, who mm-hmm. was sort of doing pizzas. And I think there was a kind of feeling in the 80s, which is, you know what, that kind of chef in the white hat that made you feel intimidated. I mean, we kind of still like going to those restaurants, yeah. you know. I'm happy to be intimidated <laughs> and feel stupid if I could have an amazing meal in Paris. But in mm-hmm. a way, why can't you eat that food and also feel happy and fun and not scared, you know. And, and, and enjoy going to work yeah, in the morning. And, and really, yeah, that's the main thing. Yeah. You know, people ask me, I just want everybody who works for me to, like, look forward to going to work. So you know, nice. that's what you kind of want. It's fantastic. Well, um, I, I, I guess that kind of is a perfect place yeah? to wrap it up. Okay, well, when are you coming to work? I'm serious. Well, let's return these off. No, I want to. I want to have it um, recorded. That recorded you're, you're giving me a job. <laughs> I'm giving you a job. So let's see. You're a witness here. That's right. Which one do you want? Do you want mine? Do you want to be our next writer? No, we'd love you to come in at least. What are you doing now? Are you are you running the, doing running, running the bakery and, then, and yeah yeah and, and do I do food styling too and, and books and you know, yeah. this and that. But well, come come and see me anyway. Yes, and please. Spend, yeah, okay. I'm yeah. going to Harvard on oh, Tuesday, amazing. which is so funny. Are you because being given an, an award? They 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 know. Um, but they uh, they they teach accolade. in the Harvard Business School in the small business school mm. section. They they sent two um, they t- do teach by case studies, and so they sent two students last spring to oh. do a case study on the River Cafe. Amazing! And they did this whole long, long, long thing, and uh, and then they on Wednesday they'll be teaching it. The students present it. Then the professor critiques it, and then I am sort of supposed to give my opinion. And so I tell everybody I'm going to Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> well deserved. So that's funny. Um, but the week after that, if you're here, um, there's a window that week, the 26th, I think it is. Perfect. It? I'm going to get in touch with Georgia. Mm, I'd love it. And you'd love Sean. You'd love cool. everybody. Yeah. Yes, I've, I've met Sean. Yeah. I know Sean. Yeah. I know Joe. Joseph, so. very yes. well. Yeah. And uh, no, but I'm, a great I'm, group. Okay, fantastic. Okay, Done. good. <laughs> Thank right, you so Jane. much. That was really it's nice. so nice no, to have you. Cool. That was the incredible Ruthie Rogers of the River Cafe, Michelin-starred chef and MBE, and still working the line at 69. 
Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so that you receive notifications as soon as we publish our next episode. Until then, we'll be at Violet baking and scheming as usual. Lots of love.